Stephen. Hello, Erica. Hi. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot how this works. I know. We've been lazy with Lazy Doctor Who as of late. Very, very lazy. <clears throat> Mostly busy, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. We'll, we'll call it that. With, like, other stuff and things. Because we were, like, in Arizona for a week, and we thought we would watch some episodes there. But then we realized that the natural splendors of Arizona and Sedona specifically were, like, you know... No offense to Doctor Who. It's just <laughs> tough to it top. Was, it was supposed to be a <clears throat> relaxing family vacation for me with my family. And, you know, this is the laziest of all of the podcasts I do, but it still would not necessarily count as relaxing. Mm. So I chose to, you know, unplug from social media, not worry about podcasts, and just relax. Mm. And it was great. And, and really, I mean, uh, the only reason we're doing this today is because... You're doing a verity on Aliens of London, World War Three. So, because we've been going through series one and doing our reviews, it would be awful if we stopped, like if we just missed two episodes in there. <laughs> just skip them. Yeah, that would be very weird. Yeah, or like do them like years in advance. Because you know, being lazy is one thing, but being what's the word? I don't know. Out of order. Out of order. You like not only out of episode of order, but just completely like out of order. <laughs> You're out of order, sir. Yeah. So we watched uh, both of them. So this is going to be weird because you're doing Verity as we record this in 50 minutes time. Mm-hmm. So you're going to talk about them now and then talk about them again in an hour. Yes, <clears throat> that is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But the Verity conversations are always very, very different from what we talk about here. Like uh-huh. it's not the same. We we always tend to go in different directions and that has more people talking about more things that's true mm-hmm. well, what do you think then um it was you know it wasn't it wasn't i don't want to say it wasn't as bad as i expected i didn't expect it to be bad i didn't really know what i expected it's been this is the second time that i've watched these episodes ever okay yeah let me ask you actually what did you think of this at the time when you first saw it boo <laughs> that bad i i was still not on board with doctor who at this point <laughs> and any little bit that I might have started to come around watching the last couple episodes was completely wiped out by these because, well, farting aliens is, I mean, for me, that's enough to, to, to knock out a lot of goodwill. <laughs> just, right. just, oh yeah. And I mean, I understand it's, it's a show for families, kids, kids like that. I know a, a lot of people who have said that their kids love these episodes because they think they're funny. And that's fine, but I wasn't a kid when I watched it the first time. I'm not a kid now. I still think that that, that is dumb. I don't enjoy it at all. Uh, I think I think really if it just comes down to the direction. I don't mm. like the direction. It is they the creatures, the people pretending to be creatures are so over-the-top theatrical, uh, turning to the camera to do their zippers. <laughs> uh, and then just little things too, like the lights coming on before they start on zipping their yeah. foreheads mm-hmm. uh the door the the steel door to the um the mp's room or whatever the bunker so to speak yeah the bumper bunker closes really fast the first time and really slow the second time when it's really dramatic um the slitheen that are the the cg version of the slitheen that are chasing people through the hallways scooby-doo style are super fast as they go across but the people are slow so if this was actually real life they would catch up with him about three and a half feet from the other side of the door it's just all that kind of little pedestrian stuff 
really gets to me and the way everything is cut together seems like it is a director that just didn't quite know what he was doing for this kind of television so any of the climactic scenes you have all of these cut this cutting back and forth between the doctor and rose and jackie and and that kind of thing can work but you have to do it right like this was just so many cuts back and forth that it was just disorienting and jarring and i don't know and the framing was just goofy it was like I don't know, did he direct sitcoms or soap operas first or something? Because this did not feel like a dramatic thing to me at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. This was, this was the first production block. Mm-hmm. Actually, the uh, the scene with, the, all the scenes with um, Naoki Mori as, as mm-hmm. who we would later find out would be Tosh. Um, in Torchwood. In, in Torchwood. Same character, though. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Uh, was day one. Day one of the entire shoot of new Doctor Who on like July 18th, 2004 or something like that. Are you surprised I know the date? I am not surprised by you knowing any dates ever, no. Um, I lost my train of thought by bragging about knowing the date. For production block. Production block. I, you can kind of tell that they are not quite like the cliffhanger. I think they're like, oh my God, we're going to have a cliffhanger. No, we're not going to have one cliffhanger. We're not going to have two. We're going to have three. And they're all going to happen at the same time. We're going to take about seven minutes to build them all up and just have it be a big thing. They weren't quite... It's it's it almost as if they're like especially in the way the the monsters were portrayed lumbering things whose mouth could only go up and down basically mm-hmm. um, uh, it they didn't they it almost like they're making Doctor Who according to the stereotype that they <laughs> they know it to be false it was kind of an odd mix yeah it felt very cartoony. Mm-hmm. very very wackadoo like they just uh, yeah but i mean it, beyond that there were a lot of things in here that i liked it mm-hmm. was i you know the the first time i saw it i didn't like the idea that rose had been missing for a year i didn't like i didn't like the idea that being a companion of the doctor would be a bad thing that was just not something that was in my my lexicon at all and now, I mean, geez, we just watched Series 9 with Clara. You know, it, it wasn't exactly a great thing for her to be a companion, and that's happened again and again. Uh, so I'm, I've am i come to terms with that mm-hmm. being the case, that it's not always a good thing. Right. But at the time, I didn't like it. So now I'm fine with that. I think it's an interesting thing to explore. I had completely forgotten that both the Doctor and Rose invite Mickey onto the TARDIS in this episode. I did not remember that at all. I think that was cool. And I think, hey, good for him for for turning it down and recognizing his limitations. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I liked a lot of the, basically most of the human interaction scenes, Mm -hmm. like the narrows it down scene and like that bit and just the dilemma about, you know, blowing up the the bunker, but possibly blowing themselves up as well. Like all all that was great. It was a lot better than I remembered it actually. Um, But yeah, the aliens, especially that, uh, the, the, the last image i had in my head you know was the last image of the first episode where the cliffhanger finally happens and then it's just this weird little rubber head going <laughs> you know with his mouth agape i suppose you know laughing mm-hmm. russell t davies liked a liked a good cliffhanger where someone lasts for five straight minutes like he did at the end of time um and that that kind of cheapened the whole thing it's funny actually the uh when you know when he's about to go triplicate the flammability of that thing mm-hmm. and then the Slovene calls him on it and he goes um triplicate the fa-. the reason they did the uh is because the monster had his mouth open 
for so long that they had to oh. they had to write a line to match his mouth movement or lack thereof. Wow. Yeah. And another thing I I really don't this this I think was something that happened relatively soon around the time when when CG animators realized they could animate eyelids and they made them make noises. And I'm thinking like <laughs> why you should if you're blinking <laughs> And it's making a noise. It's you, that's not right. And so the whole time, going, like mm-hmm. when the thing's blinking. And I think if you could do that, the eyes, maybe they could have like adjusted the mouth somewhat and actually had it match the the words and maybe have some sort of continuity between, as you say, those big fluid, you know, CG, CG lion-like Slovene to the bumbling costume Slovene. It would have helped. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely... I, I actually didn't mind the mismatch there because I just figured, you know, it's Doctor Who. It's got a long, long um, history of poorly done yeah. monsters in costumes. So I just found it like... A, a, maybe the first time I saw it, I was I was a little bit more annoyed because I was like, gosh darn it, it's new. Don't turn people off this way. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Now I find it slightly charming. I don't know. See, I think it's almost a, a, a little too self-conscious homage. Oh. To the olden days where they had, uh, it's been a long weekend, Eric, because Eric's yawning. Sorry. Uh, sorry. A self-conscious homage to like the days when the rubber, silly rubber monsters were running around and yeah, being silly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, is that it? Is that for these two? I don't want to tire you out from well everything, <laughs> uh, but also from actually talking about this in an hour's time on Verity. Yeah, I. Any other thoughts you want to formulate? I'm trying to think. Um, I guess it's just interesting to keep watching the Doctor and Rose's relationship. I mean, I, I'm sure that there were people shipping them even at this time, but boy, there's just nothing there as far as I can see. No. No. I mean, Mickey refers to him as, you know, a boyfriend, like what some boyfriend he turned out to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, Rose is just not not thinking that at all. <laughs> like then the policeman's like, is that a sexual relationship? And they're both like, no. no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, then. Well, that's it for that, then. Mm-hmm. I managed to stay awake through both of them. Well, that's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I was I was thoroughly entertained by the first most of the first part. Uh-huh. So Aliens of London was was fine. But then. I think maybe just watching two of them in a row, bam, bam, was a little bit much because in between I was kind of like, I want to ch- pick up my phone and check my phone, but no, I don't have time <laughs> to look at my email right now. Oh. So let's let's push on through and and yeah, if I if I would have scheduled this better and had a little more time to space things out, I think I might have enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, an, a note about the weapons of mass destruction. I think that's what it called, wasn't it? No, weapons of. Massive destruction. It was massive weapons of destruction. Massive, thank you. Massive weapons of destruction. Obviously, a subversive play on mass weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. which at the time was a hot button topic in the U.S. <laughs> and uh, and this was very subversive in, especially you know when even the uh, Harriet Jones sort of says, you know, we voted that. I voted against that about <laughs> the U.K. going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty heady uh, heady thing because this is back when remember that the, you know. Um, <laughs> country singing trio. I can't think of their name. The Dixie Chicks. The Dixie Chicks were like getting roasted on radio because they spoke out against George Bush. I mean, this was their albums were getting literally roasted. People were burning their CDs and and tapes and stuff. Yeah, 
because they spoke out against a president. Imagine they, that. They said one like offhanded, you know, comment yeah. at the beginning of one of their concerts, and whoa. Yeah. So that was the that was the atmosphere and the attitude towards basically the U.S. government at that time. And so for this thing to sort of be that way was, you know, of course it's UK, but mm-hmm. so they were they're allowed that sort of detachment to sort of comment on things like that. But uh, I remember I watched this uh, at the time with uh, an American friend because we were watching these on Tuesday nights and stuff and and she thought that was ever so subversive she was quite yeah she thought oh wow that was you know she was quite pleased by that actually so Mm -hmm. yeah one other thing that I thought of while I was watching it was Mm -hmm. um the scene where the doctor shows up in the storage closet with the the TARDIS and then walks out and it's a bunch of soldiers which that was pretty funny um but I have had uh I've had multiple conversations about the doctor how he just gets away with so much stuff and and some people point to the fact that so far the doctor has always been sort of a a middle-aged ish or or possibly younger white male so you know everybody gives him a certain amount of cachet because of that socioeconomic you know standing that he appears to have and you know if the doctor were ever to become a woman would would that change things would would people react differently Mm. and i point to this episode and be like no it's not that there's there's a lot of fanfic out there that sort of or you know fan theories that point to the doctor maybe having some sort of you know alien aura or mind affecting power or something to you know, make people sort of just, you know, subtly pay more attention to him. And I think that's the only, that's the only explanation for so much of what happens in Doctor Who. These are a bunch of trained soldiers Mm -hmm. at 10 Downing Street who just let him duck and run underneath them and all the way through and suddenly start leading the pack. That is not a thing that would happen. I don't care what color you are. You could be, you know, white as paper and, and, that's that is not a thing that happens. So this is yet another in my long list of, of <laughs> long list of ex- examples of how the doctor gets away with things. There's got to be something. Yeah. Well, yes, you can say, yes, it's a TV show. He has to get yeah. away with it. He has to live. But, you know, the Watsonian reason, there's got to be something else. There has to be because he sits there and the, he gets, you know, I execute you to, you know, order you to execute this man. They cock their rifles and sit and wait till he finishes his rambling speech. They wait. They wait for him to start a rambling yeah. speech. <laughs> yes, that's right. And then for the elevator to come and then to hop in the elevator and press the button. He doesn't press the button. That was one thing I was like, he uses the sonic screwdriver yeah. because, you know, no elevator close button works that fast. Nope. So, yes, he used the sonic screwdriver to close the elevator door faster, but it still closed just as fast as an elevator door. Yeah. Nobody even raised their guns any higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Silly. Very silly indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I hope you enjoy talking about this one on Verity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose the next episode we do, we'll finally get back to the chase because we're only halfway through the chase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Ba- vaguely. We met Morton Dill mm-hmm. on, uh, on the top of the uh, Empire Empire. State Building, and then we ran into the Mary Celeste. Right, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then the Daleks, um, at the end of all that, the beginning of the episode, there were 12 minutes behind the Doctor's mm-hmm. team. And at the end of it, there were eight. Eight. Yep. So, I remember that. Yeah. So that's where we have to pick up next uh, next time. Whenever mm-hmm. that is. Whenever that is. Because we're lazy like that. We're lazy. Indeed. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye.